0: He's the reason to live, isn't he? Appreciate that. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the uh, book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll just continue our thoughts. Before I start, I want to say, uh, Laura and I have a very unique opportunity, uh, along with my cousin Derek and his wife Missy, we're going to be... Laura and I are going to be leaving tonight and uh, driving down towards Atlanta and staying with Kaylee and Josh. We've not been able to see their home. Um, I've kind of been struggling with that, eh, amen? And so, uh, but I've not got to see their house, and so I'm, we're going to go down there, and then we're going to head down to Florida. There's a dear, precious family in our church, and her father, they're going to allow us to have some R&R time at a lake house in the state of Florida. And so some unique opportunities there. And uh, so Derek and Missy, they don't hardly ever get to get away. And he's in the ministry. And so I thought we would just uh, take a few days. And so I want you to know we'll be gone Monday. We'll be back Saturday. And we've got a very capable, as I mentioned today, a very capable preacher preaching on Wednesday. And again, I want to just say I appreciate all of the gifted people that we have here in our church. And uh, I know Brother Palmer is teaching this month in Sunday school and, and um, you know uh, we've just got so many good men, good teachers and you know just because someone might retire, might not be pastoring, they still have it in their heart and so we're recipients of that and so I hope our church understand how blessed we are. So no matter which one of these men preach, uh, we ought to be thankful for them. Whichever one of them speak or teach, we ought to be thankful. We can learn from all of them and you know what, they're all different. And by the way, I'm different than all of them. And could you imagine if all of us was the same? It'd be a boring world, wouldn't it? And so I appreciate these men. Um, oh, yes, I am a Christian, have been along, all along. Just ask me and you will see my faith is very strong. But I must tell you, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. I go to church when it's convenient for me, but there is usually some place else I'd rather be because you see, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. You say there are things in church that I need to be doing. Well, there are more important things that I am pursuing. After all, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living. For myself, You asked me to go to Sunday school and that's fine, but I can't, you see, I really don't have time and I'm too busy being a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf. Do I read the Bible? Well, yes, every once in a while, but it's really not for me. It just doesn't fit my style. I had rather be a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. Do I support the church financially? Of course I do. Every time I go to church, I give a dollar sometimes too. But don't forget, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. Talk to God? Well, that is very easy for you to say. I'm too busy, you know, and I really don't have time to pray. Remember, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. Tell my neighbor about Jesus? Oh, no, not me. That is what we pay the preacher for, you see. As always, I am a convenient Christian sitting on a shelf, a convenient Christian living for myself. I'm afraid we live in a day where we have come to a time where there's a lot of convenient Christianity. Now, I want you to understand that uh, we're always trying to get circles smaller. For instance, when you think about the work of God and the ministry of God, God used really how many men? Well, he had a lot of followers, but he really had 12 men that he really used, and the Bible said turn the world upside down, but in the midst of those 12 men, there was three. Now, when you think about ministry, you know, we have a lot of folks that are you know, they're following our ministry. They might be a part of our ministry some way, but maybe we would say that they would be that three or 400 followers. And what we're trying to do is we're praying this year that those three or 400 will come in closer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then the ones that we might say, well, Pastor, I'm right in there. I'm in maybe around that 12. I might be around that 24. Well, then we all need to move in. And here's what we all desire for us is we want to be those three. See, God always uses a core of people. And by the way, everybody's important, but we're always, and I'm trying to think, you know, as I read that, I'm not being ugly. Here's my prayer. If there is any convenient Christians, and by the way, this is a Sunday night. Y'all just didn't come tonight because you had to. You came here because you wanted to. So I know who I'm preaching to tonight. I'm not scolding you in the least. But my goal here is for you to understand that we're living in this kind of day and my goal is not to make fun or talk bad about these people. I'm praying that they'll come in and they won't be a convenient Christian. I'll pray that God will work on their heart. And by the way, in the last 15 years that we've been here, we've seen a lot of that take place and I want to see more in 24, don't y'all? And so what's it going to take? It's going to take faithfulness. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, the Bible says in verse 1, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Now here's what he means. Let me just set the context. See, here's what's happening. I read this to you earlier. In chapter 3, we understand there's a lot of divisions. There's fighting going on in this church. Some of them are showing worldly wisdom because they are separating themselves unto Barnabas. Some are separating themselves of Apollos. Some are separating themselves of Paul. So Paul's trying to clear all that up in chapter 4. He says, look, I want all of you to know we're all ministers of Christ. And he said, you're setting back and you're judging me, and you're judging Apollos, and you're judging Silas, and you're determining which sect you're going to follow, or I'm of Apollos, or he said, Look, you can judge me. He said, That's a small thing. Here's what he meant. Because I know ultimately I'm going to be judged of him. I want you to think about that, yes? It matters to me what people think about me, but you know, I can con you, you can con me, but we can't con God. And so I say our greatest, our greatest desire should be that we be judged of God. And that's what he's trying to say here. He's trying to clear up these divisions. He's trying to say to them, look, you're setting back and you're strifing, you're struggling with one another you're fighting you're, you're bickering over who should be you know I'm of Apollos and he said look are you not carnal he said we're all laborers together I, that's one reason why I brought up these men look I, look I want y'all to know before God I'm not jealous of one of these men I'm very humbled that they're here I mean it amazes me I, I've only been in the ministry 26 years some of these men they have forgotten more than I know I realize that but you know what I'm not striving against Jim Beeler I'm not striving against Pat Brandon I'm not striving against anyone in this church listen to me we're all in this thing together and we want to see God work in people's hearts And so he says look y'all are carnal he said you're being childish so Paul says look he said you can sit there and judge me but he said that's a small thing to me because the bottom line is I know that there's only one judge and that's God So how does that motivate us? We want to keep our heart right with the Lord. So he's dealing with this subject of stewards. Now, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of the gospel. So he's saying to them, look, I want you to know that we are stewards. I'm going to talk about that tonight because it's very important. And then he says, if we're going to be the right kind of stewards, we have to be found faithful. So for us to become proper stewards, we must first understand the issue of stewardship. Now, this might take a couple Sundays to preach on, but I'm just going to take my time. This is the theme this year, and I want to make sure I preach it in context and that there's no confusion, and I want to make sure all of us understand how vitally important this principle is for our church this year. So we have, if we're going to be the right kind of stewards, then we have to understand the issue of ownership. First of all, the issue of ownership is this. A steward is not an owner. Get a hold of it. That's very important. Because see, God tells us, moreover is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now remember we defined stewards earlier this morning. I said it is someone that is an overseer or a manager or they have been entrusted with something that's not theirs. So if we're going to be the right kind of stewards and we're going to understand the issue of ownership, then we have to un- or understand the issue of stewardship. We have to understand what ownership is. Let me read some verses to you because this is convicting. And if our minds and our hearts will come to this belief, I promise you there'll be some changed lives tonight. Psalm 50, verse 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, saith the Lord, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The Lord speaking here, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Haggai 2 verse 8. Behold, all souls are mine, saith the Lord, Ezekiel 18, 4. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. What? Know you not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, I want you to think about something. That's extremely important for us to understand. If we're going to be the right kind of stewardship, the right kind of stewards, then we have to understand who owns it. We must understand and submit to the owner. Now, this Lord willing, I'm going to be going, Lord willing, if we make it there, I'm going to be staying in somebody else's house. And yes, I'm going to be hunting on somebody else's property. You say, Florida, hey, I'm just going where I'm told to go, amen? I'm also going to be hunting somebody else's property. And I done asked the man, I said, What would you like for us to shoot? Now, he gave us some requirements. He gave us some things that he said you could or you couldn't. And you know what? That's not my property. So if I'm going to be the right kind of person, the right kind of Christian, I'm going to do what the owner wants. I'm not going to go down there to that house and act like it's mine, because it's not. I'm going to be there. They're being kind enough for us to stay. So we're going to be stewards in such a way that we're going to try to make sure we don't burn the house down. we to take care of somebody else's stuff. Are you all with me? It's the same principle. We've been given stewardship. We don't own it. Now here's our problem. We like to walk around like we own it. See, understanding, knowing who owns it, makes all the difference in the world. Think about it. For instance, your body's not yours. How many of y'all saved tonight? It's ain't. It, I'm gonna pull some real wise on. It ain't yours. So it matters what you do with it. It's not yours. So you better find out what the owner wants. That's being a good steward. He owns us. He said it. I just read the verses to you. He owns everything. All of it's his. We know that the gospel is his. We know this ministry. It's not mine. It's his. That's why when everybody, when anybody takes on a ministry in this church, you need to understand something. It ain't yours. It's not yours. We're stewarding that. For the Lord. And listen to me, that makes a huge difference. I'll tell you right now, there'll be no church splits if everybody understands ownership. There'll be none. So if we believe that God owns my body, these buildings, my business, if I had one, and even my billfold. Hey, if we believe that we're stewards, then he owns my time, he owns my talents, and he owns my treasures. Hey, if we believe and understand that he is the owner, then he should own the first place in my heart. Hey, he ought to own the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the Lord's Day. He owns the first 10% of my gross income. He's the owner. Now, if I was, if I was the owner, I'm going to tell you all right now, I wouldn't let us get off that cheap. I mean, he's letting us live on 90, and he's only taking 10. And it's not even taken. he owns it. He's just asking us to bring 10 back. That's a pretty good deal. And it's amazing what God can do through his work when everybody is bringing 10. Man, I'm telling you, God, look, the limit when a church, when people get involved in that and they realize what God can do when they own and he owns the 10th. Man, I'm telling you, God can do some wonderful things. He owns the first 10% of my gross income. Hey, he owns should own the first part of our day. Why? He's the owner. We're just stewards. Now, why would we not be the right kind of steward? Now, if we understand ownership, why would we not be the right kind of steward? Now, I'm going to say this. (laughs) There's really only two reasons. There's only two reasons. I've thought about this. I've, I've thought about it greatly. What would keep us from being the If we understand ownership, why would we not do what our owner desires? Why would we not do that? There's only two reasons. Y'all ready? It's deep now. Number one, ignorance. We might not know any better. Now, I got news for everybody here tonight. How many of y'all listening? Nobody can pull that on him now. Because I just gave you scripture. He told you what all he owned. He owns everything. He's the owner. We're stewards of it. So no one can say, "Well, pastor, I just didn't." You might have been able to done that last night. You can't do it tonight. So it ain't ignorance. Second one's just simple. Y'all ready? I don't like it. Neither do you. Rebellion. We just don't want to. you know what, our greatest struggle is this, we want to be the owner. That's the struggle. God help us to understand our owner knows best. Our owner owns us. Our owner, we ought to to understand his message. We ought to understand his ministry. We ought to understand what he wants for us. We ought to understand that we are his stuff. And not to do what the owner wants is just simply rebellion. That's the great struggle. So that leads me to the second point. If we're going to be the right kind of, the proper kind of stewards, then we have to understand ownership and we must understand the issue of obedience. Now I'm going to tap down a little harder on what I just said a minute. Look in verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's just be honest tonight. And in 15 years you've heard that a lot. I'm just going to be honest about it. This is our greatest struggle. It's not that we don't know what the Lord wants. It's not that we even believe that what God wants for us is best. It's our old flesh nature. We still want to do it our way. That's it. And we love to analyze and we love to make reasons why we can do it this way and why we don't have to do it God's way. And we've made all of these excuses through all of these years. Now we've even gotten to a place now, it amazes me. The Christian realm today is so watered down, it's not even funny. Why? Because I'm going to be honest, we've forgotten the issue of ownership. It's not ours. His work is not ours, it's His work. The church is not ours, it's His institution. His word is not our word, it's His word. His desires should be our desires. Why? Because He bought us with a price. He owns us. And here's the problem, church. It's just like children. What is children's greatest struggle? They love to disobey. And I've learned us as adults, we love to disobey. Let's just be honest. I've heard people say, I tell you what, that man, that little boy just grows up to be a little child. He just becomes an older child. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Us little boys, we always remain little boys some way, shape, or form. And by the way, little boys pick up blue bags here tonight. We don't trade in blue ones for pink ones. That's a little inside joke. And trust me, he ain't getting it because he ain't even listening. you got to notice the little stuff. But let's just be honest. Y'all, how many of y'all be honest? Y'all know what our biggest trouble is? We just don't like to obey. How many of y'all would say amen with me? Amen. But I, I want to say it just like this. Yes, this is as simple as I know how to say it. If God is the owner and we're convinced of that, then we better do what he wants with his stuff. There's nothing more simpler than I can say. If we know he's the owner, then we better, and we're convinced that he's the owner, then we better do what he wants done with his stuff. That's why I know a lot of people, they don't understand the ramifications of the ministry of a church. But God help us, when I think about the church and about this ministry and about this influence, I, it would bother me to think that we did something so low or something that would influence people. I would rather someone I would rather err on the side of caution than on the side of liberalism. Because our influence, it would, it would bother me. I'm gonna be honest, it would keep me up. And my family knows this. I would struggle with it probably the rest of my life. If I knew we did something here that helped someone else grow out of fellowship with God. Or even help them. So you say, well, Pastor, you just try to keep things up here. We're safer up here. Why? Because we love to disobey. Now, if he asks us to be faithful, that's something we can all do. That's the requirement. That's in the matter of obeying. We have to be faithful. So simply obey is the command. He said it is required. If we're going to be the proper kind of stewards, we have to be faithful. Got to be faithful. And that means more than just in church attendance. But I'll say this, that's a give me. What does obedience involve? Look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That takes obedience because I want you all to know something. I don't always feel like coming to church. How many of you all do? Is everybody here every jumped up every Sunday and you all just feel like coming here? How many of you ever come and you really haven't felt like it? Would you raise your hand? About everybody here. You say, why? Well, sometimes obedience requires to do something we don't like to do. I'd love to drive 95 mile an hour in most places, but you know what? It's not the best thing to do. To obey the law, I've got to take my foot up a little bit. Hey, we understand this, but if we're going to be faithful, we, and that's something that God tells us all of us can do. It's required of a steward that we be found faithful. What does obedience involve? Number one, simple, and I'm not going to be long, attitude. Attitude. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. Listen to me. It's an attitude. Romans six seventeen says this, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. See, you remember what I said at the beginning of it? We're trying to get people in. We're trying to get people that might be out here. We're trying to help them to get in. What does that mean? People have to, their hearts has to be touched. Look, I will never put people on uh, pity or uh, I will never pressure people or put them, try to peer pressure them to do something they don't have in their heart to do. The best thing I've learned to do is pray, let God speak to the hearts and when God works in people's hearts, you'll do it because it's from your heart. That's the attitude. Look, I'm just going to say this. When we have the right attitude towards the Lord then faithfulness is just a give me because it comes from an attitude comes from an attitude he says look I've obeyed from the heart that is so important church I look there are times we have to do things out of duty but normally I would hope to think that all of us are so in love with Jesus and we realize how much he's been good to us that we do things out of the heart because God has affected our heart and we want to do the will of God and we want to obey from the heart so pastor why should we all be faithful because it's in our heart Can I help every family here just a moment? parents can I help you you can you can stand over your children and 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 by the way I don't condone this but you can whip them two ten, ten two 10 and 4 every day and you can treat them like you're some dictator and they might comply to what you want but I can promise you this you're not gaining any ground with them because what you've got to do is you've got to let the God of heaven get a hold of their heart and when God gets a hold of their heart they'll do things in obedience because they love the one that they're Obeying. We've become so good at making people comply, comply. You better comply. And by the way, I'm for children complying, but it's better and bigger than that. Our desire is to see God work in their heart. Why? Because that attitude has to be worked in because the Bible says that there is foolishness bound in the heart of a child. So we know that every child wants to do foolishness and we know the only hope that that child has is for God to work in their hearts and I'm glad we're in a ministry where we have seen God work in many children's hearts. I have been the pastor of this church for 15 years almost and it amazes me how I have watched people's hearts change in time. Why? It's an attitude. God, here it is. Write it down. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin but you have obeyed from the heart. This obedience requires An action, it's it's an attitude coming from the heart. When you love someone, you ought to have an attitude of of love and admiration and, 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 and what? Obedience to them, faithfulness to them. It's the same with the Lord, so it requires an attitude. But can I also say this issue of obedience not only requires an attitude, but obviously it requires action. We can have the attitude all we want to be faithful and we still, don't have, still might not be faithful. You've got to be faithful. There's got to be actions to that. There's got to be actions to that. Uh, notice this verse in, in Luke chapter 6. The Lord Jesus speaking to a group of people. Here's what he said. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And look, I'm preaching to myself. We've gotten good at this. Oh, Lord, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. And then four days later, we're doing something he ain't asked us to do. Or we're not doing something that he's asked us to do. I mean, listen, and we're all guilty of this, but he said the Lord asked these people this. He says, why are you calling me Lord? You're saying me that you love me. You're saying that, oh, how I love Jesus. But he said, you're not doing it here's the beautiful thing. He says, all I want you to be is faithful. How many of y'all believe everybody in this building can be faithful? Now, if he said it's required of a steward to be able to sing, well, I'm out. I'm out. And some of you are nudging your husband, saying, you're out. You better hope he don't nudge you. You're out. Hey. I'm glad he didn't say, "Hey, all of you that part your hair down the middle, I'm out." I don't have enough to part down the middle. Hey, well, if all of you, all of you that are age and season and you're bald, well, look, I'm out. Some of you are in. I mean, that's the way we pick people. Y'all remember when I was in school, man? We would pick people based on, "Hey, man, give me Joe. I want Joe on my team." Hey, give me Larry. I like Larry. He's an athlete. Man, he can kick that ball. And I can still remember in Hinton Area Elementary, man, we get to pick our kickball teams. And man, I always felt sorry for that little girl, that little boy was the last one picked. Why? Because we pick people based on physical things. But God doesn't pick it. He said, look, if you're going to be the proper kind of steward, you got to obey me from the heart and be faithful. And by the way, everybody can do that. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Hey, I'm going to preach on this later. I don't want to hit it all because this is really where I want to spend a lot of time next Sunday. But when we talk about stewardship and faithfulness required, that is a matter of obedience. If we're going to understand stewardship, we have to understand ownership. We have to understand obedience. But we also have to understand the issue of operation. Brother Daniel said it the other day, or somebody, one of the preachers said it the other day, if God didn't want, if God was done with us here, once he got us saved, we'd go into heaven. But that ain't how it works. And let me tell you, if God wanted it that way, he'd do it that way. He could, but he leaves us here. You ever thought about that? You know why? Because everybody in this church has a gift everybody you're unique i'm unique and you know what i i made this statement this morning there are people that you'll talk to i'll never know you're unique you have gifts god has given you gifts but he has given you these gifts they're not yours remember he owns your soul Your body is not your own. So he's given you these gifts, so it's important what you do with your talents and your gifts because they're not yours. So again, let's go back. If we're convinced that he's the owner, then we better be careful what we're doing with his stuff. You're his stuff. My gifts, your gifts is my stuff. I'll never forget it. I was too young to understand it, but oh, how I understand it now. And of course, I had the attitude that most teenagers had at that time that I see most young people have today. I had the same. But there was a young man in the church that I grew up in. He happened to be my pastor's son. His name was Stephen. He was very gifted and talented by playing the guitar. He was very gifted. He was very talented. And I'll never forget, one of the men that was in our churches, he was also good at playing the guitar. And he wanted to give a guitar to Stephen. And I'll never forget what he said to Stephen. And of course, I was a brash, arrogant teenager. And when I heard him say this, I said, how dare him say that to Stephen? But he said, I'll I'll give you this guitar under one condition you use your gifts and your talents for the Lord and I'll give you this guitar. (laughs) And of course, I believe Stephen complied because he wanted the guitar. And of course, when we got done with it all, I, I even said to Stephen, I said, well, that's just like what a preacher would say. How dare he, He says he's going to give you that and then put a limit on it and say you have to use it for the Lord. I see the power in it today. I buried my friend Stephen at 33. He used his talents. He moved to Chicago and he started to play for a rock band. The name of the group was Nuisance. It was kind of big there in the area. And he got so messed up with alcohol that even, now think of this, the band Nuisance kicked him out of the band because he got so much out of control. And he died from intake of too much alcohol. He died all alone in a hotel room. I've given that thought now a lot of thought when that man, that preacher, said that to him. I understand it now. But as a teenager, I didn't see the big picture. And there might be some here tonight saying, ah, preacher, you're just trying to say these things so the church will grow bigger. No, I'm really saying it because I know where all that ends. And I just wonder if I was a better friend that wouldn't have made fun of that when Stephen was taking that guitar because I can promise you this, he never used that guitar for the Lord's work. See, God's given us gifts. They're not ours. That's why I say, and I'm, not, and I'm trying to help her. Right? It's not even that I'm being an arrogant somebody, but even when someone comes up to you and says, oh, you did such a great job, quit saying thank you. It's not yours. If you notice, and I've tried to teach by example, I never say it, ever. I say praise the Lord for that, because it's his. He owns it. He owns me. Whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever you have, it's His. You're stewarding it. I'm going to tell you something, church. If we will be faithful in stewarding these gifts and realizing that God owns them, and we get on the same page with God, I'm going to tell you all something right now. Watch out 2024. Who knows what will happen? with head bowed and eyes closed tonight, can I ask a question? Now look, I'm, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm here standing tonight with deep conviction in my heart. I mean that. I am deeply convicted myself. In so much that I feel so inadequate to even be speaking on this subject. What a change will take place if we just understand and be convinced that we are not the owners, that we're stewards. How many of you know the Lord spoke to your heart about something tonight? Why don't you come, find a place, and pray and ask Him to help you with it? Listen, church. I didn't give that story about Stephen Pilkington to make us all cry. I certainly don't want any Stephen Pilkington's here. So let's pray that God will help us to realize the gifts in our life and what he's given us is not ours, they are his. And let's use them and let's do with his stuff what he wants. Let's stand to our feet. If you know the Lord spoke to your heart, would you come find a place to pray? Can I say this, parents, this is a great, topic and subject to start talking to your children about. The subject of ownership. Y'all need to do more deep discussions with your children that they understand. Look, you're God's. You're His. Can you imagine the changes in our attitudes, our actions, if we truly, truly, truly Convince and and let God have our hearts that we know that He's the owner and we should be doing with His stuff what He desires. Ask God to help us to obey. Amen. The operation is we must be found faithful. I'll talk about this more in a message to come. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. Look, there's no man that could come up with this. I'm so very thankful you made it so very clear in your word that we are not our own. You own it all. You own the cattle and the thousand hills. You own my billfold, my, my life, my Look, you own it all. You own my soul, you said. You're the owner. So I pray you'll help us to be the right kind of stewards, and I pray you'll help us to be found faithful. We'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus.